570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. In LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, let's do it. Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. How you feeling, Dodger fans? Everybody survived. We're ready to live and fight another day. Yeah. Rodney, can I just share something off the top? Yes, you can. Okay, I believe that life is a series of moments. And it's the moments that create the memories. And it's the memories that we carry with us. Uh... I was lucky. I was at the Dodger game in 88 when Kirk Gibson hit his home run. I was fortunate. I was there when Kobe had 81. I was also there on Kobe's final night when he scored 60. Last night was not winning the World Series. Last night was not Kobe's final night. But I have to tell you, it was pretty darn close. Pretty darn close. The memory of what happened at Dodger Stadium last night, and if you were there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, will never, ever leave your mind. It was one of those times, and I said it on TV last night, if you were lucky enough to be there, good on you. Good for you. If you got to live that one, good for you. When you were playing, Were there moments like that for you? Moments that stood out, that created memories? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were were several of them. Several of them throughout college and even going back to high school. Yeah, there there were several moments. I can remember throwing a touchdown pass against Dallas when I played in Philly with 30 seconds to go in a game, and, and, and we ended up winning that game. Um, big moment against uh, Detroit in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, there were there were several moments, and I, you know, been a witness witness to several. Uh, speaking out of '88, I was at Game Seven against with the Lakers in Detroit. Um, dramatic. I was at the Robert Ory shot. You know when he made those shots, which was huge. Um, but you remember those standing. I think this one too. It, it, you know, it wasn't the World Series, but it was a do or die game which made the impact of it even greater because it wasn't just, first of all, it wasn't a regular season game, and it wasn't just game two of an of a NLDS or NLCS. It was the wild card winner-go-home game in which he did it. So that the impact of that made it great. And, yes, we probably are prisoners of the moment because it was so exciting last night. And as we look back years from now, we'll still talk about it, but maybe not as high because it wasn't the World Series. But still, in in moments in in LA sports, it, it it's got to be right up there with uh, some of the great moments that we've had. If you're a baseball fan, that's what the game is about. Last night, if you're just a purely baseball fan, you love the sport. It was true what Ned Coletti said, and it was true what David Vasse told us earlier in the week. It's one game; every pitch counts. 
Every decision matters. Every call by the umpire, and Joe West missed a couple last night. Good luck to him in retirement. Every call by the umpire can affect the contest. Every single one of them. If you are a baseball fan, that's what the sport is about. You had the best time watching that game. If you were a baseball fan. <laughs> did you? If, if you're a Dodger or a Cardinal fan, did you have the best time? Why, or were you on pins and needles? They showed clips of the fans in the stands and just every moment where there was an opportunity to score a run or get somebody out or where there was a walk, the emotion and the emotional roller coaster of the fans that they showed in the stands and even, even at home, but you could see it on the faces of the fans in the stands. Man, you could just cut it and how thick it was. Um, but I, I just don't know if you were, you know, if you had a vested, vested interest in the Dodgers or the Cardinals, was that a fun baseball game to watch? Exactly. If it you ended were, well for the Dodgers, but yeah. was it fun to watch throughout? Right, because if you were a baseball fan, yeah, you loved that. If you were a Dodger fan, you were miserable. <laughs> you were miserable all the way through it. Baseball yeah. fan, I got no dog in this fight. I'm right. loving what I'm seeing. Yeah. This is what this game is all about. If you were a Dodger fan, you were miserable. Sitting there in misery. Trust me, I know. I was sitting there and I was watching everybody. You think it hit harder? Because both teams obviously want to win. The Cardinals went on a roll. They went at 1.17 straight, so they were the hottest team in baseball. But the impact it would have had on the Dodgers had they lost that game. Winning 106 games, tying a franchise record, ended up coming second in the division, having to play that game when many still regard you, you're still the, the the World Series favorite, and people regard you as the best team in baseball. Playing at home, the pressure was on the Dodgers. All the pressure was on the Dodgers to, to win that game. So you throw that into the mix, uh, as a Dodger fan, yeah, you, you were sitting there on pins and needles. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would have been devastating with the crowd, the stadium sold out. I mentioned it in the tease. When Tyler O'Neill hit that ball in the ninth inning down the right field line, Mm -hmm. okay, if that's a fair ball, St. Louis is going to score. Yeah. And it's an entirely different game. And people sat there. All of a sudden, they see the ball. Their mouth hung open. You see Mookie running. The ball falls foul, and I am not exaggerating. If you were there, you know exactly what I'm saying. There were people that actually collapsed. It was too much for them. Collapsed. (laughs) Like collapsed, collapsed, literally collapsed? Like fell into their seats. Fell backwards into their seats. Thank God. Fell, Fell into the person standing next to them. It was so tense at that moment. Then Kenley gets O'Neal. Right? Yeah. And he also got Goldschmidt in that at bat, too. Yeah. He gets O'Neal, and now there's some excitement and there's some energy. You go to the bottom of the ninth. Gavin Lux comes out to pinch hit. They make a change and bring in the left-hander, and here comes Albert Pujols. And you're thinking, this is it. You know it. it. (laughs) It's the storybook ending now. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. But also understand that the Dodgers... Desperately needed to score. They didn't, aside from Trey Turner and the, the bases loaded, where he hit the ball and his bat broke and it yeah. turned into a double play. 
Right. They didn't have a lot of chances to score. You need base runners. Yeah. Pujols works them three and zero, oh, and you're going okay. All right, we're going to have somebody on first base. But then the conventional wisdom, of course, is it's three and zero. Oh. Let it go. Walk if you can. Guy grooves it and Pujols drives it, and you're like, oh my god, this is it. It's the storybook ending. Caught on the warning track in center field. Then you have people going, why the hell do they swing on 3-0? and If you're Albert Pujols, you get a pitch that you can groove, I'm letting you go. You got the green light on whatever you want. You got that green light. 100%. Sousa, 100%. Sousa comes up, right? He's back. When the Saints come marching in, it's Steven Sousa Jr. Bellinger can steal sec. Bellinger's at second now. Okay? Sousa's gone. And here comes Chris Taylor. Pinch hitting. The second he hit that ball, I mean, bam, you knew it was gone. The yeah. st- I, pow, it's out. You didn't have to worry about it. You didn't have to think about it. You know that sound if you've been doing up baseball games. You've seen it. You've lived it. You know it. He knew it. Just like Justin Turner knew it, by the way, earlier in the game when he hit his, hit his yeah. home run. He admired it for a second. Mm-hmm. Chris Taylor, pow, it's out. The pitcher puts his head down Reyes and walks off. To, he knew. O'Neal's in left field. He looked, he knew. And the elation and the jubilation and the sense of excitement and the sense of relief. It looked like now it turned into a mosh pit. People were jumping on each other. Yeah. Hugging people. You didn't even know who they were. Running through the aisles. Screaming, celebrating. It, it, it had everything last night. It was dramatic, it was exciting, it was exhilarating, it was exhausting, it was tormenting. And it was the Dodgers coming up big at the end and winning the game. As an L.A. sports fan, for however long you've lived here, that one is a moment that creates a memory. Can we give some credit? Although I'm sure there are people that will not give credit, Rodney. (laughs) Do we have the ability... To give some credit to Dave Roberts. Do we? You and I? We do. Oh, of course. I don't know if you can manage a better game. To be honest with you. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if you can manage a game like that where every decision you made turned out to be the right decision. Even with the pulling of Gavin Lux and 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 the Albert Pool, he hit it on the button. He sure did. He hit, I mean, he just hit a line drive instead of hitting it up in the air. But you absolutely, you're in the bottom of the ninth. You know, the worst thing that happens is he does what he does and you go to extra innings, right? You don't lose the game on that situation. Now, if you're behind, yeah, you need base runners. I don't know if you, you, you I don't care who's up. You can probably, you take 3-0. and But in a chance to win the game, to advance, you he's hitting 3-0 all day long. Pujols, are you kidding me? All day long. Um, but just the moments uh, that he had pulling Scherzer when, okay, he doesn't have his best up, but it's still a one-run game. It's still, you know, it's 1-1. Why are we taking him out? And he didn't um, want to go. And he didn't want to go. And he didn't want to go. So that was that was tough decision. And then, you know, who you, who you bringing in? Joe Kelly. Oh, my God, Joe Kelly could be hit or miss. Joe Kelly could could walk three guys in a row. You know, we've seen bad Joe Kelly. 
You don't know which Joe Kelly you're going to get. We got lights out, Joe Kelly. He came in and was lights out. And did you see the swagger Joe, Joe was walking <laughs> off the field with? He was walking off with that swagger. I loved it. Um, Gratterall. From Gratterall comes in and does his thing. Trinan does his thing. Knable does his thing. And, of course, everybody would have blamed him. Kenley would have blew up. Oh, oh why go to Kenley? Why, why, didn't you, why didn't you bring Julio in? Kenley does his thing. The moment. What, starting Chris Taylor or Bellinger. You know, which one do you which one do you start out there? Imagine he has to pitch hit Bellinger instead of Chris Taylor in that situation. You know, it, it's just everything he did, starting Beatty at first base. I mean, all those things he did, it worked and it was masterful. So, yes, we have to give him 100% credit for the way he – because it wasn't easy. I mean, think about it. You're in a tie ball game and you're going to take the best pitcher out on the planet – out of the game. I don't care if he's struggling or not. He struggles. It's still a tie ball game. It wasn't like he gave up three home runs like Garrett Cole, you know, and you're behind and you got to pull him. It's tie ball game. That's a that's a dramatic, tough, run you out of town type of decision yeah. if it goes bad. Yeah, absolutely. He didn't miss last night. He... he he didn't yeah. miss, and you have to acknowledge that. Everybody that calls, and even today somebody would probably say, well, you should fire Dave Robert. <laughs> Not today. Yeah. Not today. He nailed it last night. Yeah, he did. It all worked the way it was supposed to work. Sure, if you're there, you'd like it over in the fourth inning. Understood. But remember how the Dodgers are built. They grind you and they grind you. And they wait to get to you late. They made a defensive mistake. Yeah, Corey Seager made an error. Uh, and I have to tell you, when St. Louis scored, and because I was there, I don't know what was what it was ruled, a pass ball or a wild pitch. Uh, I'm thinking Will Smith could have done a better job blocking the ball. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe. You know, mm-hmm. from where I was watching it, I couldn't really. Uh, 50-50. He spiked it. Scherzer he... spiked it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Aside from those two moments, the Dodgers were were basically flawless. Yeah. Even Matt Beatty made some great plays at first. Matt Beatty. I said yesterday, yeah. start Matt Beatty. Yeah. And I'll tell you, he had a couple of at-bats. He drove that ball to the wall in his first at-bat. Yeah. Uh, it was masterful. It was magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And during the 1 o'clock hour, yeah. what we'll do is we'll open the phone lines and we'll hear from you. If you were there, would love to hear what you experienced. If you watched it or heard it with Charlie calling it here on the radio, how did you feel as you were going through it? Man, it's good that one's over. What was it like? Because you, you you felt that one of the guys was going to get one. And to to for it to be Justin Turner to get us right back and put the life right back into the stadium. And like if they were going to score, you're glad they scored early in the game. You know, they got that out of the way. There wasn't a, you know, seventh, eighth inning. Oh, they they pushed one across. It was early. We had several chances to come back. And Justin Turner, when he hit, it just, it felt like this is a matter of time for the Dodgers. I don't know. It was weird that I didn't feel that anxious, oh, oh, they're going to explode here in any moment. Because it felt like that kind of night that we get the last at bat 
And if we get the last at bat and it's tied or it's close, we're going to come come away with a win. Um, I felt, although I, the tension, you could cut it with a knife. You could throughout the whole stadium. Uh, hopefully the players weren't as tense as everybody else watching this thing. Um, I thought the Dodgers would win as I watched the game. I knew it would take a while, but I thought something would happen. They would make something happen. When Justin Turner hit that home run, and I don't know uh, if you were watching, you saw his face. He hit it. He knew. Yeah. He knew. Oh, that was deep. He knew. And he stood there, for, and it was great. He didn't do a bad flip or anything. He just stood there and watched it. And he had this look on his face. And when I saw that look on his face, I thought, they're good. They'll figure it out. They will figure it out. Because this, for him, it didn't seem like a moment of, hooray, I did it. Or, wow. It was like, okay, now we got you guys. Okay. Not, yeah. Now it's time to get down to business. Yeah, you're not going to hold us down for long. Yeah. You're gonna, you know, you got us for a little bit, but you're not going to hold us down. Right. You, you had that your was the attitude. And yeah. then how about Kenley? How oh. about Kenley? I mean, he was as lights out and dominant as he had been in the past. But let me ask you this. Let me now be honest, okay? Knowing Kenley, and he was lights out, he was dominant, he was spectacular. But knowing Kenley and what has happened, did you think for even a half second that, oh, God, oh, God, Kenley, please, Kenley, make this a good one tonight? Did you think that for at least a half second? Of course. Yeah, it, it did seep in. <laughs> um, even though he had been going well for the last half of the season, in the last, especially last month, he'd been going well. Yeah, there was there was those flashbacks. Oh, Kenley. You know, and, and with Kenley, it's like you, you're watching it, and, and it's different watching it at, on TV than you, when you're there. But when you watch it on TV, you're like, wow. It was like the Kenley of old. Why can't they hit him? Why can't they hit him? You know, everybody's swinging through it, swinging under it, swinging behind it. They can't hit him, and they know what's coming. They know the cutter's coming. You know, he mixes it in a little couple curveballs here and there, but you know it's coming. And guys like they, you know, like we talked about that know him. Goldschmidt knows him. Arenado knows him. You know, and and he's he was he was dominant. He was dominant. I I, I got to give it up. Like we gave it up to Dave Roberts. You got to give it up to Kenley for fighting his way back, eliminating all the noise. And just going out there pitching in a high, high leverage situation and and doing his thing. So hats off to Kenley as well. I don't know about you guys, and obviously we have a stake in the game here, so we wanted the Dodgers to win. And as Fred mentioned, you're living and dying with every single pitch. Every time contact is made, you know, your heart stops wondering where the ball is going to go. When it comes to the wild card game, I think universally we're all against it. But is there ever a moment where you're envisioning on a, from an objective standpoint – Man, this is pretty freaking amazing. This is pretty awesome to watch where this is an instant game seven and everybody's on pins and needles. Let's say if this was the, if this was Yankees-Red Sox the night before, we would all be like, man, this is pretty amazing. And I think a small part of us are like, yeah, it shouldn't come down to one game, but when you're in the moment and actually experiencing it and watching it, you're like, man, this is sweet. This is playoff baseball. Yeah, not if you're a Dodger fan. It wasn't sweet. If you were a Dodger fan or a Cardinal fan, I'm sure every pitch was excruciating. But if you were an objective observer, no, I still hated it. I still hated it. I, I still hate the playoffs. I still hate the situation. I mean, it was definitely game seven atmosphere, of course. But 
you know, I don't feel bad for the Cardinals. They, you know, they, but, but for someone to win what they won 90 something game, 90 games and Dodgers win one on six, you obviously two really good teams decided by one game. I think it's just, it's bad. Even with the Yankees, Red Sox, I want to see, I wanted to see another game. I wanted, I want the Red Sox to prove they can beat, beat the Yankees again, you know? And, 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 and so to diminish it to one game, I think it does a disservice to a team that goes out and has a season like both these teams did, um, and you and it comes down to now they played it like they were two very good teams that should be there, evenly matched kind of teams, and the game lived up to all the hype, but still to play 162 and have it come down to just one game, uh, I, I still don't like it. Yeah, well, I didn't like it last night. <laughs> Neither did I. I didn't like it. If my team's not in it, I don't really care. Well, let me ask you it's this: dramatic. If it was two out of three, and that game went down the way it did last night, how you feel about the next game? Not good. I'm glad it was one game. Really? Oh my god! You got. I'm you, so. They, they I, spent their guy. No, that's fine. I'm happy to get out of there. I'm just happy to get out of there. No, but you don't. You don't feel good about your chances. I I feel fine. I'm glad we're just done. I feel great about the chance. Thank God it's over. That's enough. We don't need another crack at them. And they don't need another crack at us. Thank you. Sorry, it's a long flight home to St. Louis. And we'll talk to you next season. All right, David Basset is going to join us. By the way, David is going to head up to San Francisco. He will be there for the Giants-Dodgers, which start tomorrow. So Dave will be on next. Uh, One o'clock. Hope you'll be with us because J.P. Morosi is going to be on. And in... From MLB.com, MLB Network, was a Fox baseball insider for years. He did the most magnificent profile on the Dodgers-Giants series, the history and what it all means, so we'll talk to him. And then during the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to take your calls. If you're out there, we want to hear from you. Uh, If you saw it or you heard it, we want to hear from you. All of that is coming up. Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh I'm ready. They put that poison in the Cardinals last night, Freddy. Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan, on a happy, happy, happy Thursday after last night. Everybody's still recovering, catching their breath. Yeah. Nobody wanted to leave the stadium, huh? No. I ran. I had to get back to Channel 4. (laughs) I was at a dead sprint. Because if you got stuck in that traffic last night, you were going to be there. That place was jammed back with people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next hour, we'll hear from you. Want to hear from you. If you were there, you saw it, you listened to it, want to get your thoughts. Now let's bring in our buddy David Basset. And Dave, thanks for jumping on. Hey, happy to be part of this. You know, it's such a great time of baseball, and this should be an epic series between the Dodgers and Giants and such a great night at Dodgers Stadium last night. You know, I said at the top of the show, and uh, tell me if you agree. I saw Kirk Gibson. I was there for that. I was there when Kobe hit 60 in his final game. I was there when he had 81 against Toronto. I've been at some great, great moments. I'm not saying what happened last night equaled those, but that game and Chris Taylor's walk-off was pretty close as memories go. Do you agree? Yeah, 100%, Fred. And you know, as Rick Monday was leaving the booth and I was um, getting ready to jump on for Dodger talk, he told me in between the breaks that, there's certain games where you remember where you were, and he said this was that game for him and for so many of us. We will always remember that game and where we were and 
it'll stick out in our minds. And honestly, during this stretch of time for the Dodgers of having so much success, I would say the the only other moment pre-World Series that sticks out to me is Justin Turner's Game 2 walk-off home run off John Lackey of the Cubs in 2017. So uh, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, two Dodgers out of only four that have hit postseason walk-off home runs. So certainly memorable and couldn't happen to a better guy in Chris Taylor. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, remember that Muncie one, too, in that 18-inning game. That was crazy as yeah. well. Um Dave, you know, as that game went on, I just got the the sense, and, and when they went up one nothing early, uh, I, I wasn't worried. Even though Scherzer didn't look like he had his best stuff and and uh, was kind of laboring, had a lot of three two counts. Um, I felt as the game went on, there was going to be a moment, a, a big moment, and I don't know if it just favored the home team because it, they they batted last in the inning, but I felt like as the game went on and it was tight like that that it was just a matter of time for a big moment. Did you feel that way? I didn't feel – it was weird because I felt less nervous as the game went on. Well, I actually felt like it was a really good matchup for the Dodgers uh, when T.J. McFarlane came in to face Albert Pujols. We all know how good Albert has been against lefties this year, and that was a great matchup for him. And it was 107 mile an hour out. So you kind of felt like the Dodgers had the momentum. And Steven Souza Jr., even though he made an out, the second out of the inning, he had a really good at-bat. He had a quality at-bat. And then when you bring in a struggling pitcher like Alex Reyes, who um, certainly has had his issues and is not one of the better closers uh, for um, well for the Cardinals, number one, and in the National League the second half of the year, you felt like the momentum was in the Dodgers' um, favor, especially after Cody Bellinger was able to work that two-out walk and steal second base. Chris Taylor told me after the game that stolen base changed everything in that at-bat. So, you know, you have to give Cody a lot of credit as well. But, yeah, Rodney, I felt like the momentum was on the Dodgers' side. You know, every pitch counted. It, it really is true. In the postseason, every pitch counts. And you've got Albert Pujols pinch-hitting in the ninth, and you're sitting there thinking, this, this is the Hollywood storybook ending. Here it is against the Cardinals. He's going to do it. So he's looking at a 3-0 count. Now, I know conventional wisdom says, all right, let's not even risk this. Just get on base. And he lashed that ball to center. There were some that said, I can't believe they let him swing on 3-0. And I'm of the opinion, if Albert Pujols is at the plate and he's got a ball he can drive, he better than anyone knows about that. You got to let him go for it, don't you, Dave? Yeah, you got to let him go for it, for sure. Uh, Albert Albert has a great awareness of the strike zone. He has a plan. Um, no doubt about it. Nobody's putting the red light on Albert Pujols. And, the, you know, he had a good at-bat. It was a good ninth inning. And you felt like the longer the game went, it was in the Dodgers' favor, especially having the final at-bat. And more importantly, guys, the Cardinals' offense didn't do much of anything. The Dodgers missed a lot of opportunities early in that game, made mistakes that allowed the Cardinals to score their only run. So you felt like the Dodgers were in a good spot, and Justin Turner said as much, so did Andrew Friedman, that after the first three innings only being down one nothing, they were in a good spot despite how poorly they were playing and how many men they left on base. Yeah, there were so many, so many moments in there, in there Dave. And I just want to, uh, before we go too far, I want to shout 
uh, Dave Roberts out because it, he gets so criticized for every single move he make, and including, I think we we were on the text stream, Fred, talking about, oh, I don't know about this move, I don't know about that move. What I say, yeah, and it, <laughs> he said, I don't like it. Oh, I like it now. <laughs> um, but you know, pulling Scherzer, even though he was struggling, and and pulling them in that in that moment, bringing in Joe Kelly. You know, to to Knable, to trying and trying and to Knable, all all of those things, it all, and Kinley dominant at the end, all worked out. Just to even the rotation of of the different guys coming to the plate at the different times. I don't know if you can manage a game better than what Dave did uh, yesterday. It obviously it all worked out, but I'm sure. During the course of that game, there were probably a lot of second-guessing going on about what he was doing. Yeah, and you know what? It is a tough decision to take Max Scherzer out of the game. Max Scherzer doesn't want to come out of the game, and maybe why fans may have been second-guessing in the moment was because of the awkward exchange when Max really didn't want to give him the ball. And, you know, he's he's like Clayton Kershaw. He's like Rich Hill. They don't want to come out of the game, man. You can understand that, but he didn't have his best stuff. And Max actually told me after the game when I was interviewing him on the field with no shirt and only goggles on uh, <laughs> that, you know what, he, he felt like in that last at-bat to Tyler O'Neill, he started to get his feel back for his pitches. But at that point in time, you know, if the Dodgers did not have a good bullpen, you could understand that Dave Roberts is going to allow Max Scherzer to go a little bit longer, but because of how good the Dodger bullpen is and how well prepared they are for the grouping of hitters they're going to face, it's not an ideal situation, but you can understand why Dave Roberts had confidence to go to his bullpen. Dave, a moment in the game, you're in the ninth inning, O'Neill's at the plate, he drives the ball to right field, it's foul. I have never, in, I can't remember a time, where I saw 50,000 people gasp and then nearly collapse and then just breathe a sigh of relief when that ball went foul. Because if St. Louis had scored there, it could have been curtains for the Dodgers. Did you get that sense from the stadium last night and that emotion all the way through? Yeah, you're right, Fred. That was a pivotal moment. Uh, if that if that foul ball is fair... Um, the wind is taken out of that Dodger stadium crowd. And, you know, coming back to only need one run is a lot easier than having to score two to win. And Chris Taylor's home run would have just meant a tie last night if that occurred. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit different, Fred. It certainly is. And I guess, like, when you look at it, the Chris Taylor home run, it would have given the Dodgers a 3-2 to two win instead of just a 3-1 win. But, Certainly, yeah, it, the momentum would have favored the Cardinals if they would have scored in the top half of that ninth inning. And you have to give Kenley credit. I thought Paul Goldschmidt yeah. was his toughest hitter because Paul knows him really well from playing in the division for so many years. And he knows about Kenley's cutter and the characteristics. And for him to freeze him with that slurve was spectacular pitching by Kenley. No, Kenley, Kenley was was Kenley again, and and that was it was impressive. It wasn't. It was the heart of their lineup too. It wasn't like he had a he had a, you know, uh, any time off with that lineup. He had to go through the heart, and so I was impressed with him. Also, you know, many people didn't think Cody Bellinger should be in the game or should start the game. He played and he came up big. Two stolen bases. The one you mentioned at the end to get to second base uh, and. 
And talk about that, Dave, because a lot of people just, oh, he just got to second base. But what that did for Chris Taylor at the plate it was monumental. Uh, yeah, it was monumental, Rodney. I mean, without that at bat, they're not going to uh, they're not going to the NLDS. So Cody and Chris Taylor really had a big night, and Justin Turner's game tying home run. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't believe it's a coincidence that uh, the three guys that had the biggest offensive impact were guys that have been on this team for the last uh, five years together. They they understand the culture. They understand the moment. And none of them allowed it to get too fast on them. Uh, all right, Dave. So that's that. That business has been completed. And now it's the series that everybody wants. First time ever, Dodgers and Giants have met in a, a postseason battle like this. Do you think if you could put yourself in the minds of the people, the players in San Francisco, they would have rather seen the Cardinals this go around or the Dodgers? Oh, without a doubt. The Giants-Dodgers is what everybody wants to see. But what about the Giants players? Oh, I I think both sides want the Dodgers and Giants. I I think both sides wanted a crack at each other. Um, Certainly the Giants probably wanted the Cardinals. It would be a lot easier of a road. But if you're a competitor, don't you want to beat the best? Yep. I mean, that's, this is what you live for if you're a competitor. The two best teams in baseball, why would you want to shy away from that? And if the Giants were, all the more power to the Dodgers in this series. Yeah, no, no doubt. And and another point of this, Dave, is because we talked a lot about, well, if, if Max is not able, I think we, you and I talked about this, Max is not able to get to the seventh inning, you know, then we're going to see Julio to, to go extended innings, and they were able to get out of that game with a win without even using Julio. How big was that? Yeah, it was huge, Rodney, because now it gives them the flexibility to line Julio up, I would imagine, for game two of the NLDS in San Francisco. Then you could have Max Scherzer back at Dodger Stadium for game three. So certainly big for the Dodgers to stay away from Julio and Andrew Friedman told me it was basically a side day for him in the bullpen. It never turned out to be anything more than that for him. So yeah, certainly the Dodgers came out of that wild card game better than most teams do. But if it would have gone extra innings, that certainly would have uh, put the Dodgers at a disadvantage going into this NLDS. So they were very fortunate that Chris Taylor saved the day in the ninth inning with two outs. Uh, Dave, Giants won the season series by a skosh. That skosh put the Dodgers in the wild by card. By a skosh. Oh. Just, you know, a little bit. Game. Skosh. Skosh. We're using skoshes now. Meaning yeah, we... they won 10 out of 19. Right. That's what I'm talking about. So they won <laughs> 10 to 9. My point is this, Dave. Now we've seen the season series. Uh, it's a whole new ball game. What do you think the Dodgers learned from the games against San Francisco so far? And what changes might they make? I don't believe they learned anything. They know all about the Giants, Fred. Those games were so close, and these two teams are so evenly matched. I said this after the game. Whoever wins this series is the team that did not make defensive mistakes, did not make outs on the bases, did not give the other team opportunities that cost the Dodgers three games. And you look at the three games that really stand out, Mike Talkman. Robin Albert Pujols of a home run early in the year. You look back at that game where uh, Sheldon Noisy and Chris Taylor couldn't get the lead runner out at second base, and Darren Ruff was uh, not rung up on a check swing. And you, were, you recall the 11-inning game 
where Will Smith was forced to play first base. So those are three of the biggest games that stick out to me as far as swings in the season series. So that's how close it is. Um, every category basically is as close as it can be. The Giants have hit more home runs than anybody else in the National League in all of baseball. The Dodgers are third. The runs scored per game is right basically even. Two of the best pitching staff ERAs. It's so evenly matched. It's so evenly matched. And whoever makes a mistake is going to cost themselves a game and possibly the series. Yeah, it is. It is mistakes and things that that you do that are uncharacteristic. Like we we talked about with St. Louis, it was a very good defensive team. You mentioned that they have been. They don't make them say mistakes. They don't beat themselves, and they had a couple of uh, costly errors by the rookie at shortstop. Uh, not so much costly, but but they were uncharacteristic. Then they left so many guys and you know runners in scoring positions, which we we've, we've shook our head at about the Dodgers. Um, in recent years of leaving guys on base. But having won that game, Dave, um, it can kind of go two ways, right? It could, You can ride it high and ride it all the way through, or you're spent and then you don't have much left. But I think playing the Giants is such a blessing for the Dodgers because it is the rival. It is not – you're not playing Cincinnati or somebody that, you, you you know, you don't have that intense rivalry with. So it's not going to be an issue of getting up to play the Giants. No, not at all. And, look, the Giants are a better team in their home ballpark. They have been traditionally. Their pitchers are better. There's a reason why guys like Alex Wood, Logan Webb, they've all excelled even more up in their own ballpark because it's a pitcher's ballpark. So, I, you know, I just feel like the Dodgers with Walker Bueller on the mound, he's the right guy to have in that type of game because I don't care what happened the last time he pitched there. It's a different animal, and Bueller has showed that in the postseason. I can't think of one game where he has faltered, so I would expect the same. And uh, like I said, Rodney, it's, it's going to be an epic series because not only is it Dodgers-Giants, but – these are the two best teams in all of baseball with the two best records. And they are not only were they just separated by one game in the standings, but every other category, they're so evenly matched. And it's not a coincidence that Farhan Zaidi has taken everything that he believed in with the Dodgers and brought it up to San Francisco. And they're almost a carbon copy of the way the Dodgers have won the last five or six years. All right, Dave, we know you'll be up there. Safe travels, and uh, we'll check in with you tomorrow. All right, guys. Thanks so much. All right, Rodney. Uh, thanks to Dave. Top of the hour. J.P. Morosi will join the show. He's got the history. He did such an incredible job with this piece on the history of the Dodgers and Giants. We'll bring him on. Next hour, we'll take some Dodger calls from you fans. Want to hear it? Because you've got to talk about it. While we come back, a very quick, but we have to do it. It's our obligation and responsibility. A quick Laker and Clipper training camp update. Oh, yeah. And now another Rogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah. Afternoon delight. Yeah. Ready? I see you bobbing your head. This is right in your wheelhouse. You know it is. Oh, yeah. Billy Ocean. Damn right. Easy. Today's Throwback Thursday edition of Afternoon Delight is Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean. 
This song appeared on Ocean's fifth studio album entitled Suddenly, which was released in 1984. The track spent two weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100 charts in October of that year and won the Grammy for Best Male R&B Performance, which made him the first British artist to win that award. In addition to topping the U.S. charts, the song also reached number one in New Zealand and Canada. Again, today's Throwback Thursday edition of Afternoon Delight is Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean. Now, let me ask you. Yeah. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? I think it's Caribbean in this case. It is Caribbean yeah. in the song. Yeah. For sure. And uh, Caribbean. And but go- how do you say it? Caribbean. Caribbean, yeah. 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 Tell you what, if you'd have said Caribbean in the song, it would have wrecked it. It would have wrecked it, yeah. You got to say Caribbean. Is Caribbean it? Queen. Oh, Ronnie is saying the correct pronunciation is Caribbean. Yeah, the correct pronunciation is not Caribbean, true. not Caribbean. Not true. Not true. Caribbean is the correct pronunciation. If you spent time in the Caribbean like Fred and I have, you know it's Caribbean. We've been there. We've been there, Ronnie. Oh, yeah. We, we have been there. All over, Ronnie. You name it. St. Thomas, St. Martin, St. Croix, St. Bart's. And Fred been to Tokyo, but he still pronounced it until Vic corrected him. That's true. Tokyo. <laughs> Tokyo. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Okay. Tomato, uh, tomato, Fred. Yeah, that's, that's true. All right. Top of the hour, we're going to have uh, John Morosi on. Just, you'll love it. I'm telling you. To hear him talk about the history of the Dodgers and Giants series is something really special. We're thrilled he's coming on for us today. That'll be top of the hour. And then uh, later on next hour, we're going to open the phone lines. Uh, Brett Shepard says, if people are true to themselves, they'll admit they died a thousand deaths last night. Imagine us Dodger fans (laughs) here in the Eastern time zone. He's in Atlanta. Listens to us on the app. Yeah, Brett, we get it. But before we get to that, got to have a quick Laker training camp update. All right, age has nothing to do with what the Lakers are doing. So don't think they're more susceptible to injury. Don't believe that. Trevor Ariza will be out at least eight weeks after undergoing ankle surgery. He's expected to make a full recovery. Carmelo Anthony made his preseason debut last night. Eight points in 17 minutes. And Malik Monk led the Lakers in scoring for the second straight game. He had 18 points and four made threes. That is your Laker training camp update. Now, here is your Clippers training camp update. Oh, yeah. Rookie point guard Jason Preston underwent foot surgery this morning. He's expected to miss a significant portion of the season. Paul George made his preseason debut last night. He had nine points on four of ten shooting in the loss to Sacramento. And Ty Lu has been encouraging Eric Bledsoe, who, by the way, if you forgot, was traded to the Clippers. Come on, Bled. Push the pace on offense because he is so adept at getting into the paint. That is your Laker and Clipper training camp update. What'd you what want to say? World. What'd you want to say? <laughs> just, say it. Just re- reminded me as you were giving that Laker update of our, our text string. We had a string last night with you, me, Kevin, and Rob Parker going on. Yeah, we and did. You, you remember Rob Parker's comment after? Because Kevin's always working. He's, he's checking the news and the wires and everything. He sends us a note on Trevor Ariza. You remember what Rob Parker said? 
The golden guys. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what did you say? I can't remember. I laughed at yours, too. I said, holy Epsom salt. Look what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, John Morosi is going to join us next. <laughs> 